the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This on-demand presentation from Talk910.com. This is Rob Black. Hear the Rob Black Show every weekday from 10 to noon Pacific Time on 910 AM, more stimulating talk, San Francisco. Thanks for your support. Enjoy the show. This is the new generation of talk radio in the Bay Area. This is KNEW, AM and HD, Oakland, San Francisco, San Jose. Now, your money, your life. It's Rob Black. I'm back. 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. I'm looking at some of the breaking news out there in the world of finance. And on the Dow Jones wire, Fed officials are mulling a 25 basis point discount rate rise. The January Treasury budget of uh, $42.6 billion versus last year's $46 billion consensus. Uh, Fed officials raised 2010 core inflation forecast to 1.4% from 1.3%. Now, Fed officials' 2010 GDP forecast is about 3.2% up from 3%. So GDP at 3.2% for 2010 is pretty good. I'm trying to put these numbers. I'm going to try to put what I just said, all that gibberish, into something that can work for you. When our GDP, our gross domestic product, is growing at 2 to 4% year over year, the stock market can do well. The housing market can do well. A lot of things, jobs can be created. When we're growing at over 4%, you can get into that inflation world. So the inflation things are going too fast. And when they go too fast, too many people are employed. Wage inflation starts to kick up at over 4% uh, GDP growth. Uh, too fast means that pe- more people are putting a bid on a home. When Heidi, my producer, a lovely person, when her and her husband bought their home a few years ago, five years ago, four years ago, three years ago, um, they had multiple offers, multiple offers for a year, a year, a year, a year. And then the economy started to slow down, and suddenly they were able to find the home that was perfect for them. But it took the economy slowing down to stop that kind of crazy inflation on every home that they put a bid on um, that five other people put a higher bid on. So GDP of 4% or more is bad, in my opinion. GDP of negative is good. On occasion, because it kind of it, it kind of slows things down again. So I don't mind unemployment at ten percent, just not for five years. For a year or two, it's okay as long as we can get back to six to eight percent unemployment. Six percent is a good number. Eight percent is workable. Ten percent is problematic, but it slows things down. It, it gives you the opportunity to instead of chase as an economy, it gives you a little bit more time to, to reflect on an economy. Now, core inflation of one point four percent. That's kind of a bogus number. Because we don't really know what inflation means to you and me. I could tell you being a senior citizen, it stinks today. Because inflation on healthcare costs is out of control. I could tell you that being a parent, it stinks today. Because inflation on college costs are out of control. I could tell you being a 20-year-old hottie, it's wonderful. Because a 50-inch TV is a lot cheaper today than it was five years ago. So there's deflation in, in what 20-year-olds are buying. There's inflation in what people have to do with kids, and there's inflation in senior citizens. So inflation really, it almost depends on you. 
So just know, in fact, that you're going to have to save more money because inflation eats away your buying power later in life. Let's go to Kip and Campbell. Hello. Hey, Kip. Hey, Rod. How are you doing? I'm okay. Um, by the way, I like your voice. Really? Yes. So that's that's intriguing. I don't think anyone's ever said that to me. <laughs> okay. Uh, your first question on the banks. Um, yeah, I'd move my money out of uh, Bank of America or Wells Fargo and put it in a in a smaller hometown bank. Now, here's let me give you a, a, a revelation. The smaller banks are still failing. The bigger banks aren't. We still probably have another 100 small banks to fail. How inconvenienced would you be, Kip, if your small bank fails? You're going to, you know, they're going to change their, they're going to be taken over by the FDIC. Um, and you're going to have that, like, that stigma of it's not the same bank and you're going to have to get new checks and things along those lines. Would you be massively inconvenienced? Would you be upset? Would you be bitter? Because the smaller banks have the commercial loans that are starting to sour now. Um, your money's safe, so let's let's use that. In yeah, the, let's, I mean the money's safe, so it it's not going to. Okay. For what I've got in the bank, it's not gonna. It's not going to. Okay. Tell me, um, would I be inconvenienced? No, because now everywhere I go, where Washington Mutual used to be, is a Chase Bank. So I'm sure that you know, um, if that were to happen, that you're not going to be inconvenienced. Okay. I haven't seen any of the banks that have been lost. They've been bought up by other banks. So. Okay. That's... No, I don't have a problem with that. I, I have, um, I have a sm- it's, it's a way, actually, to slap um, Bank of America. I was really upset with them. Uh, they were giving loans to illegal immigrants to get homes that they couldn't afford to buy. Okay. And I thought that was really bad. And uh, I agree with you that a lot had to do with Congress and regulation and everything else. But Anyway, so and you, you feel you feel like you could punish a bank by moving your money. Oh, I'd like to punish a bank. <laughs> uh, I wanted to talk to you about gold and silver. That too. was kind of sexy what you just did there. Oh, <laughs> okay. I wrote you an email once. I asked you what to do about. Um, I got some money here. Um, How much? Um, not too much. Okay. Um, Twenty grand. Okay. Um, um, getting another eleven coming in. But I asked, what would you do with that amount? Now I do have. Um, PG&E, or is it still considered a blue-chip stock? I think so. It's a utility. Um, Right, and um, I have a substantial amount of shares there. Um, I'm wondering if there's going to be a problem that's going to come with PG&E with the uh, the, uh, uh, smart meters that they're putting in, because people are looking into that, saying, you know, is this legal and whatever that they're doing. I'm wondering if there's going to be lawsuits and... If that will be to my advantage, I'm wondering what it takes to make a stock split. Um, I know PG&E has split before, but it's been a long, long time. Yeah, it doesn't really matter because you still, if you have $1,000 of a company and it splits, you got one share at $1,000, it splits into two, then you'll have two shares at 500 you still have $1,000. Right. I don't like stock splits. I, I actually prefer the Google slash Warren Buffett, we don't split our stock uh, idea because it tends to attract a better investor who's not trying to get, you know, 200 shares at 30 versus uh, one share at, you know, 3,000. Right, yeah. Okay, gold and silver. Um, uh, I don't want you to tie yourself to the bumper, but you just might have to. Um, I, I, uh, I really think that the hedge is a good idea. I bought gold when it was $200 an ounce a long time ago. That, that tells me that you're a bit of a cougar. 
been a long time since gold was two hundred dollars. <laughs> Not a cougar. <laughs> I'm the monkey sitting in the tree throwing things at the cougar. Um, uh, no, I yeah, I did buy it a long time ago when I was young, and I thought um, just in case, just in case. What happened is my mother passed away, and my father had given us all. Uh, shares of stock. Uh, you got to write off, I guess, ten grand per year as a gift. So we got ten of ATT and PG&E and a lot of blue chip stocks. I got stuck with some Centurion Electric back in Ohio, who had a lawsuit for a nuclear power plant, and they just um, it ate that stock up, like you know. I'm assuming I'm assuming you bought gold back pre pre 1980. Uh, no, it was uh, early 1990s. Early 1990s, okay. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah, when I was still working hard. And uh, I I bought it then, and it was cheap. I mean, for then, I wouldn't buy it now. There's no way I'd buy gold now. Yeah. Um, and I bought silver when it was $4. So okay. it's about $20 an ounce now. So I just sit tight on what I've got. And if it comes to the time that um, we do get to wallpaper our money to the wall, then I'll have something at least to buy some bread or... Get some, get some bananas. Who's gonna? Throw. Who's gonna? <laughs> I'm not gonna take gold. Let's say I'm a supermarket. I'm not gonna take gold. It does me no good. No, maybe the bank will. Okay. Maybe my bank will take it for my. Um, but we're off the gold bank. standards. I don't even think the banks would. I mean, I'm try, I'm trying to get well, into the fantasy buy, world. Who's of buying up the gold right now? You think China's buying up the gold? China's got a lot of gold. Yeah. Yeah. So, and but China's also selling U.S. Treasuries right now, and that's not ruining the system. You I mean, think China's making the jewelry? Oh, yeah, they are. Yeah. They make everything. China and India, big yeah. jewelry, big yeah. jewelry makers. So. Yeah. So they're. Uh, who do you think's buying the gold? China and India. I don't right. care. That's the problem with me. Is that <laughs> you know I'm happy that you did a good trade in gold, but it still has sat there and done nothing for you. It hasn't earned you any income like your PG&E has. I'd prefer you swap out of gold and get more PG&E so that you can actually get some earnings out of your your money. I'm wondering if I should just buy some more shares of PG&E. So thanks for the call, Jackie. It's kind of smoky. I think it's a, a compliment. So when a woman's smoky, get a Jackie in Walnut Creek. Jackie? Hello, can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay. Uh, this is, I'll make this quick. I own our own home. This is not about us. Um, we own it, free and clear. Okay. What I have heard is that when a person does a short sale... And let's say they have a they they paid five hundred thousand for the home, but they sell it for three hundred thousand. The bank is reimbursed, I guess, by the taxpayer the other two hundred thousand, and that furthermore they can still go after the seller for the other two hundred thousand. Have you heard that one? That's not true. So the bank is not reimbursed. The bank uh, takes a loss on it. They take um, a loss. Yeah. So if they're willing to agree to a short sale. Right, because there was something, oh, I, I just was on YouTube, IndyMac something, and it talked about, you know, Soros and someone else bought IndyMac, and that's what these two guys were talking about, and I talked to a realtor who said, yes, that was true, that they the bank gets reimbursed the $200,000 $200, or whatever. I'm just making up that figure, you know, California figure, but um, I, I assume they, but they said they can still go after the seller. Is that correct? It depends on what type of loan you had, um, mm-hmm. if it's a recourse loan or a non-recourse loan. So. I see. I see. Thanks okay. for the call, Jackie. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639. It's Rob Black Show, 9, 10 a.m. More stimulating.
internationally. Fat Tuesday and the whole Lent thing is kind of like people actually wear costumes to work the day before Lent begins. Did you know that? A lot of people didn't know that. Like, we're just, uh, we kind of hide from it. But other parts of the world kind of embrace it and uh, enjoy Lent and, you know, turn it into a bit of a party, so to speak. So I think that means we're 40 days roughly from Easter. And if anyone, anyone in the world could explain to me why we have Easter eggs to celebrate the the rise of Christ, I just don't get it. That's someone who has a great imagination, who ties eggs to Jesus Christ, like, coming back to life again, Um, the whole Lazarus thing. So Heidi seems to have a a thought here. She's put on her headphones, which means the voice of Heidi is coming soon. Boo. Boo. Um, So I don't know much about Lent, so correct me if I'm wrong. Does that tie into the whole Fat Tuesday Mardi Gras thing before, and then you uh, stop eating for Lent? Is that the deal? Well, you don't So you indulge, and then... Yeah, you give something up for Lent. So the 40 days coming up to Easter, you give up smoking or you give up drinking or so you indulge the day before so there you go why did you come on air for that are you just be is do i you just have don't a, know i want you to educate me do you have a contract now with clear channel that says you get on air at least once an hour just like the sound of my own voice i do people love kind of like you i do i i am an air pig but keep in mind when i quit i'm done i'm never doing radio again so 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air let's go to jan on the peninsula Doing today. Doing well. How are you, Jan? Oh, I'm doing pretty good until I read the paper this morning and I came across two articles about China. One had to do about the buy China trade policy as well as um, the warning from China about unspecified consequences if Obama meets with the Dalai Lama. What's your take on all this? Mm, I did not read the article that you read. Where was the, uh, the China article? That yeah, the buy China was in the San Jose Mercury in the section on the business section and then the other article about the Dalai Lama was in the uh, front section page four yeah there's a lot of hot air going out uh, out of China and this is not new as far as the Dalai Lama goes they do not want the Dalai Lama to uh, meet with President Barack Obama and endorse him in any way shape or form yeah well this is in conjunction also with the arms trade to Taiwan I guess Okay, um, let me take a look at the article during the commercial break, and I'll talk about it at around 1131, 1132. Um, but let me go through my content here, and, and to be fair to our listeners, on, instead of me reading it on the air, that probably won't be as very good. But there is other news on China, and thanks for the call. Uh, what is that other news on China? Um, okay, Financial Times today, out of the Financial Times. They reported that foreign demand for U.S. Treasury securities fell. A record amount in December. Now, you keep hearing this story like one day we're going to be citizens of the China's Republic, you know, United States Republic of China, you know, kind of thing. You keep hearing like how they have all of our debt and all of our debt. Well, China stopped buying it. In fact, they've started selling it. So they sold $32 billion of Treasury securities last month. China overtook Japan as the largest holder of American debt in 2008 of September. Now Japan's back in number one. So there's a little bit of a flight to safety strategy that they embarked upon during the worst of the global economic crisis. And it could mean the U.S. has to pay more to service their debt in the future. Basically, um, during the economic crisis, China said, we'll take U.S. debt because they've never they always pay it back. They always pay it back. They always pay it back. Like Greece, for instance, is 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 collapsing right now because they're not paying back their debt. So we, we hear these stories like the United States pays back their debt. But we were issuing it at one percent. Like who would buy our money at such a low cost? Um, 
Well, they did. So they lent us money so that we can get out of our recession. Now they're starting to pull back out of it, and they're, they're looking for other places to put it. So China, for better or for worse, is part of the 21st century economy. There's no hiding it. There's no getting around it. Um, as they've started selling some of our debt, the United States, we aren't you know, having sex with monkeys. We aren't, you know, all hell hasn't broken loose. The damn dirty apes aren't in charge of the world or anything like that. It's going to mean that when we borrow money for future deficits, it's going to be at a higher cost uh, because we have to basically woo somebody to buy our, our, our bonds, to buy our treasury debt. So we have to woo them. How do you woo them? 1% is not good enough. If you're a senior citizen, you're trying to live off 1%, you know that's not good enough. So maybe 2%, maybe 3%, maybe 4%. You get the ultimate idea there. So um, they're partners of ours, for better or for worse. And I don't think – I think the Dalai Lama thing is going to blow over. Um, I think Obama will meet with the Dalai Lama because he would look pretty darn weak if he were to cave completely to China. And internationally speaking, we don't have a lot of currency at this point in time to look weak with. So we need to have a little bit of a, a spine, a little bit of a backbone, and China won't like it. They'll get over it. So China is in a position, though, like, for instance, with the whole Dalai Lama thing, they could say, well, what we'll do, because you met with the Dalai Lama, is we'll, we'll charge tariffs on chicken. So all the chicken that you send to China, we're going to put a 25% tariff on. So it costs Chinese a lot more money. To buy those American chickens. So American farmers will go, come on, come on, President Barack Obama, don't don't meet with the llama because you're hurting our business. But then what Obama will do, he'll say, well, we're going to say those, those crappy T-shirts that you keep importing into the United States from China, we're going to put a 25% tariff on it. And ultimately, both parties kind of cool down and back down. We are not at a situation right now where nationalism has taken over. We are at a situation right now where... Uh, speaking from you know, country basis, we're for better or for worse, we're partners with China. A lot of people don't like that I say that out loud, but for better or for worse, we are partners with China. So I will take a look at that 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 article and I'll comment on it after the break. But speaking of President Barack Obama, he talked about the one year old stimulus law that is now a year old. It's been a year since we had that that stimulus out there, and he says that it staved off another Great Depression. He says it's kept up to two million people on the job. With millions still out of work and losing patience, he says, I know it doesn't feel like a recovery to the people who are unemployed, but it could have been a lot worse. What's in it for me? Marking the anniversary of the $787 billion American Economic Recovery and Investment Act, Obama aimed his message at people skeptical. uh, To the public, Obama explained as many times he has before that the stimulus plan was composed of tax cuts for most Americans, along with the help for state governments, extending Social Security benefits and huge investments in energy, education, infrastructure. One year later, we've spent about 70% of that money. Do you feel that that trillion dollars was well spent? To Republican critics, they're saying the bill was costly, that it was debt finance blunder, that it's not delivered on the promise of creeping jobs or creating jobs. In fact, we've lost a good 7 million, 8.4 million jobs since the recession began in December 2007. So uh, it's easy to criticize. It's easy to criticize. I don't think, to me, our government spending money to try to create jobs, it's like pushing string. You know, it just, it doesn't go anywhere. So you push the back of string, it just kind of collapses into it. I don't think government spending has ever, ever created jobs. I think the private sector does a great job of it. The government should get out of the way and let the private sector do a great job of it because I think private sector jobs are a lot more valuable to our country than government created jobs. Um, 
in my opinion. And again, the best way they could do it, tax cuts for small businesses. And it's almost that simple. It's almost that simple. So um, let's stay with politics for just a little bit longer here. Senator Evan Bay's comments about a dysfunctional Congress, it's, it's reflecting a complaint being directed at Washington with increasing frequency. And this is something oftentimes you'll hear me say, and I'm starting to, I may need to rethink my position. I often say gridlock's the best, the best economy, in large part because we don't finance new projects. But the problem is we finance so many new projects, we need to undo some of them, so gridlock's not good. So I'm starting to almost think we better put a lot of Republicans in office or we better put a lot of Democrats in office so they do get something done. Now, the unwillingness of the two parties to compromise is, is, is problematic with the national debt continuing to rise to dangerous heights. After decades of warnings about, you know, budgetary, you know, just craziness, escalating health care costs, aging population that's no longer, you know, uh, pulling in income tax for the United States. In fact, they're taking out Social Security. Um, it's hastened a deep recession. And this is the, the probably the nastiest recession you'll see in your lifetime. And getting out of it and getting real job growth while funding our safety net programs, it's very, very problematic. And Senator Evan Bay, Mr. Bay, he was a centrist. You know, he basically, he complained about the excessive partisan, uh, partisanship. Uh, he, he complained about the gridlock. He doesn't like it. He, that's why he's saying he's not seeking reelection. He's hardly alone, though. You know, he says long-term budgetary outlook, it's problematic, tied towards Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, unsustainable rates, inefficient tax system, can't keep up. Only 40% of Americans actually pay taxes. 60% don't. That's a stunning, you know, revelation, right? So he said, and this, is, this goes back to Chuck Reed, mayor out of San Jose, probably one of my favorite interviews of the year. He said, I said, why don't you run for governor? Because I'm neither Republican or Democrat, but I think you do a great job. And he said, the state's ungovernable. And right now when you hear these ads about Meg Whitman promising how much she's going to change, there ain't no chance any of those changes are going to get through the Democrats. None of them. So she says all these changes, but there's no chance any of those are going to actually you know, have, have traction. So what you're voting for there is gridlock. So anyway, Senator Evan Bay, he said, I wonder if this country is even governable. So he, another person now talking about can we govern and what do we need to do to fix our governing position and, and ability to pass laws and to cut budgets. Because at this point in time, it's just ruthless. No one can get anything done. 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. It's Rob Black Show, 9, 10 a.m. More stimulating talk. Democrats, piss me off. I apologize. I went to the San Jose Mercury News and I couldn't find the article on China trade. It's not in the business section or at least not online. Maybe it's one of those only in the newspaper issues. There's a little bit of an article about President Barack Obama's failure to meet the Dalai Lama last year and how that set back the Tibetan case of, you know, being important to the world and being their own country. Dalai Lama is going to meet with President Barack Obama on Thursday. So that's coming up. Um... And China's reaction, I'm not going to stress too much about it. Again, is China my favorite country politically? No. Is China important to the world economically? They are. They really are. And there's going to be some uh, ebbs and flows with how that plays out. Because capitalism in the United States wasn't a pretty thing. It really wasn't. We look at the 80s and 90s and we go, thank God we have capitalism. We've started dot-com companies and made billions. 
But back in the 20s and 30s, I mean, you weren't even allowed to drink liquor. I mean, we had some fits and starts where, uh, good golly, the United States government has, you know, created, you know, mafia businesses and supported them because capitalism wasn't, you know, free and open. So it was a defined situation. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in there. Let's go to Travis in Oakland. Travis? Yeah. Hey, Travis. Hey, how's it going? Love the show. You're very kind for saying that. Um, I'm trying to get a, I guess, an idea of uh, what, how to spread out some assets I just uh, came into possession of. What's your question? Um, I've, I inherited uh, co-ownership of a house down in Southern California. Um, I've got, oh, I also inherited about sixty thousand in cash. So I'm trying to figure out, um, I guess, how to spread it out. What? Is, how old are you? Twenty-five. Twenty-five. You're a young man. Yeah. Um, what sort of house did you did you acquire in Southern California? Um, it's it's in a rental or it's in a, a senior community. Okay. Um, uh, so I'm, I'm a, I own half of it. Okay. Do, with a family member, brother, sister? Uh, it's a, like a pseudo grandfather. So the grandfather owns the other half. Oh no no oh no I I own it with uh, my sister. Okay. Have you and your sister had a conversation about potentially selling it, keeping it? Where are you at with that? Uh, we're probably going to keep it for now, okay. uh, rent it out for now and until the market comes back up. Okay. And what do you mean by the market comes back up? Well, and like uh, I guess it's halved in value Okay. Since, uh, since the top of the market. And I don't expect it to get up, to get back up to where it was, but just something better than where it's at now. Would you buy it today if you had, if you had cash to buy that house today? Would you buy it today? No. Then sell it. I mean, you're, you're, you're basically, you have the ability to get all that cash out right now. So would you buy it at today's value? And you said no. So what you said was that you're hoping for it to go back up. I don't like that. I, I think you and your sister should have a, a real hard conversation that okay. says this money could be better used elsewhere. And that's the question. Could it be better used elsewhere? I think it could be. Where, where in Southern California is it? Like uh, Riverside, San Bernardino area? Yeah. Riverside's never coming back. <laughs> I hate to say it, and anything that's 30 miles east of L.A. in San Diego is never coming back. Uh-huh. Central California is a disaster. Um, it's a nuclear wasteland of people who perf- who chased performance, and they, they got screwed. Like Stockton, it ain't ever coming back in my lifetime, Travis. Yeah. So, I mean, you could wait 30 to 40 years to get your, quote-unquote, you know, where you want it to be to be comfortable right. to sell. So, okay, um, I'm not going to convince you on that. I get the feeling. Well. Well, I, I'm I'm still on the fence about it. I, I'm kind of thinking it. You know, in one sense, it'd be nice to have an extra few hundred, several hundred dollars coming in as just rent, um, just kind of a supplemental thing to put in. Uh, I guess savings. But which, which, if you can get six to seven percent return on investment, so if the house is worth two hundred thousand dollars, if your hundred thousand dollars could be generating six to seven percent and six thousand seven thousand dollars a year, then absolutely. Um, keep it as a rental. If it's not, I think there's a better place for your money. Yeah. So yeah. it's, you know, a couple hundred dollars don't mean squat to me if you could be earning a couple thousand with that same amount of money. Yeah, that's true. So, um, okay, so for the other money, the $60,000, do you have yeah. a 401k? Do you have an IRA? Do you have anything yeah. like that? I've got a 401k with the, the company I work for, and uh, I'm putting 10% in right now. Good. Congratulations on that. Um I would consider using some of that money to live off of and putting 15% into your 401k. 
because I like the tax the tax advantages of not paying any state or federal taxes as well. As, so that saves you 40 cents on the dollar right there, typically for most Americans. Uh-huh. Um, plus the money grows tax deferred and it comes out later in life at a lower tax bracket. So I'd prefer you do that. I, I don't know if I could convince you to do that. Um, well, that's kind of what I was thinking of uh, of with the, the extra rental money was just to to pocket that and then increase my 401k. Yeah, I'd look at this as all fresh and, and again... If you were earning a couple hundred dollars versus a couple thousand, um, I'm not that impressed. Uh, yeah. It depends on how much the house is worth and if you could actually even sell it. Uh, it's worth about a hundred thousand. It's worth about a hundred thousand. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, you, you need to be pulling in, you know, fifty thousand. I'm assuming you're splitting it in half with your sister. Yeah. Uh, you need to be pulling in two, three thousand dollars minimum for me to be. Uh, that's a good investment to keep that house or that that rental's working for you. So, and if it's not, if those numbers aren't real, then screw it, sell it, get the hundred thousand and go, go, go have your money earn real money elsewhere. Uh, What else I would do? And thanks for the call is I'd consider a Roth IRA um, with some of that $60,000 in cash that you inherited in large part. um, It's another retirement savings vehicle. Maybe first things first, if you don't have an emergency fund, set up uh, two to six months of cash. And keep it in cash or keep it in a cash equivalent in case you ever lose your job. Um, it'll take you two to six months to find another job. And that's the only time you use an emergency fund money is if you lose a job. Um, as far as what I would put it in in investments, I like diversification. And the easiest way for me to say this on the air is you're 26 years old. You have so much time, so much time to let China figure itself out. And what I mean by that is there's going to be fits and starts in China. And... There's going to be times where it's a crap investment. I don't want you to put all 60000 into China. I want you to put maybe up to 40% into China, 20% in United States large cap, 20% in United States mid cap, 20% in United States small cap, and then forty up to 40% in, in Asia. So there's a Fidelity fund out there called Asia, excluding Japan. Japan's a lot like the United States. It's got an old country. And that old country's got all these safety nets in it, and uh, they take care of their senior citizens there. They honor them. They, they don't take away their benefits. But the problem is, you don't grow your GDP that way either. So your, your tax base shrinks. You have people leaving the country, going elsewhere for work. So it's very, very problematic. So I like Asia, excluding Japan. If you've ever been to China, if you've ever been to India, if you've ever been to Australia, if you've ever been to New Zealand, um, they're growing. They're growing nicely. And they don't have the problems of, of deficits that the United States have. So anyway, with that said, um, that's where I'd start. 20% large, 20% mid, 20% small, up to 40% international. I think you should get some income in there, which may means you take away from the small or take away from the uh, large. Or, you know, you got to come up with some decisions on your own here. Speaking of which, I'm not really favoring small cap stocks right now. In large part, our economy is not really working well. So the large cap, the big companies in the United States, they're, they're back. They've bounced back nicely. But the smaller companies really aren't generating the revenues yet that they should be. So small caps are falling behind this year. I'm not, not going to overweight small caps. I'm going to underweight them. Maybe I'll accumulate them. 70% of large caps have reported fourth quarter results better than expected. Small caps are still struggling. 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. It's Talk 9, 10 a.m. More stimulating talk. Please just tell me what the hell is wrong. 
345-5639 to get your calls on the air. Let's go to a quick phone call. David in Palo Alto. David? Uh, hey, Rob. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Uh, I have a question regarding uh, planning on health care cost. You know, I've been hearing all this, you know, like Blue Cross is increasing, you know, health care cost by 40, 39% for some individuals in, in, in California and all sure. that. How can you go forward, like, if you want to retire earlier? Yeah, that's a big problem is a lot of people, David, want to retire at 50, 55 right. before Medicare, Medicaid, and Medi-Cal kicks in. Right. It's almost impossible. Um, you could do something like get a job at Home Depot and, you know, get on their their benefits, uh, maybe work part-time. Mm-hmm. But typically part-time is not going to get you the health care benefits. Right. So. Oh, okay. Because I'm 58 and I'm thinking, you know, other than that, I have, you know, covered everything, you know, the like what you described, you know, the house, my kids' education, everything. Yeah. But then how can I, you know, like, and I don't mind if it is like, let's see, X amount, but if it increases by 50% or more, it's very hard to just, you know, wait till 65 and Medicare kicked in. Yep. So So there's uh, no other easy answer. There's no easy answer. It's going to cost you an arm and a leg. So uh, healthcare, and again, you you can't afford not to have it because when you're 55 and you don't have healthcare, you get a heart attack, it's going to cost you $100,000 plus. Right, right. So it's, it's, you have to have it. That's some people shouldn't retire early because they don't think about it. And thanks for the call, David. Okay. Thank you. So 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. Got an interesting email. Should we do the email bumper music or is that too cliche at this point in time? Here we go. Here we go. Got an interesting email. (laughs) There's a letter in your mailbox. You are having new mail in your inbox. Mm, you've got mail. You've got mail. Pattern baldness. There is a message for you. Prepare to be astonished. <laughs> okay, email comes in from Billy. It says, hello, Rob. My girlfriend and I have in a debate. She loves Susie Orman and likes her financial help. I told my girlfriend that Susie Orman has no experience. I did see on Wikipedia that she once had $50,000 at Merrill Lynch and she lost it all. Um, yeah, Wikipedia is probably not the best to get your financial advice from. But she, he goes, I'd like to tell my girlfriend she's receiving bad advice, like you have said. I just need it to back up my statement. Um, I will prepare a long piece on Susie Orman in the coming days. Um, I find her ridiculous. I find her um, retarded. I mean, she honestly, for a personal financial expert, she sounds mentally retarded. Gotta know what you're doing with your money. You gotta know before you get into trouble, which is why it is so important that you watch the Suzy Orman show. She bills herself as an internationally acclaimed personal financial expert. And many, many, many years ago, she was a stockbroker in California and she was awful. Um, She gives bad advice. For instance, do you remember her talking about buying a new car? No financial expert says buying a new car is a good idea. Now, she did it because she got the do-re-mi. The car company paid her to be a spokesperson because there's a lot of women out there who relate to her. One Christmas, I was sitting at home by myself, as I want to do on Christmas, and I'm watching Susie Orman talk to black South African women about how money is success and money is power, and you have to empower yourself as a woman. And that's the wrong audience. South Africa doesn't care about money, and you're talking about incredibly poor people. They care more about family. They care more about nature. She just doesn't get it. Uh, When you buy her book for 30 bucks, you get wonderful tips like use self-service gas pumps rather than full serve. 
Does everyone not know <laughs> it's easier to pump your own gas and it's cheaper? And you paid 30 bucks to hear that crap? Or use coins, not your calling card, and pay phones. Does everyone not know that when you, when you run on credit that you can spend money like it's not really yours, but ultimately there is a bill? She says she just gives such bad advice. Pay off, like she'll go, okay, girlfriend, and first and foremost, I don't think white people should be talking like black people. I don't think we have the right to. So I don't think we should go, okay, girlfriend. I think that's ridiculous. I think it, it, it makes us look dumber as a nation when you try to cross and, and be relevant. Anyway, um, she answers bad questions. Her advice is great for people who live in trailer parks. It's it's great for people who live in trailer parks. It's not great for people who have any sophistication to them. In 2000, and I, I've got a, a book on my uh, desk. It's called Bull S-H-I exclamation point. And basically, it, it, it pulls all these gurus and what they were saying in 1999, 2000, 2001, and it holds them accountable. And she's like, buy the QQQs. They always come back. She mentioned that at 60, and it goes to 20, and it hasn't come back. So she, she never apologizes. She gives bad advice like um, a couple ask if it was okay to allow the wife to spend $180 a month instead of $100 a month on herself. And it's uh, she'll go on and say it's like an unhealthy marriage and couples need to work together. And, you know, that's all it's all relevant. It's it's Oprah Winfrey. Oprah Winfrey's comments on inoculations um, and get, getting shots for your kids. It's it's ridiculous. She's not a doctor. Susie Orman's not. She doesn't work as a financial planner. She's got no experience. She sells insurance and she lies. She's like, yes, every one of my insurance people, they they tend to recommend I know them all personally. And she doesn't know any of them personally. She's a business. She's basically a fraud. She's got less than 1% of her money in the market. Now, she's incredibly popular because she's incredibly oversimplified. And people like oversimplified. People feel good. Like, if you have three credit cards, her advice is pay off the one with the lowest amount on it. And that's just stupid. Yes, it makes you feel good that you've paid off a credit card, but you're you're dumb. Pay off the one with the highest interest rate first. So there's no middle ground with her. Her fans adore her. There's nothing I can do. There's nothing I can do to convince this girlfriend otherwise. Um, Keep in mind, she's got a phony tan. I hate phony tans. She wears jackets that look like pants. So I know you're saying, what is she wearing? It's got leather fringe on it. It looks like it should be on a a 20-year-old Brazilian's butt and not on on her chest. And you're like, that's crazy. There's no middle ground on her. But if you take a look, you go Google, um, you're going to find out that she's, she's just, she's not comprehensive. Class um, A moron. She's not pushing get rich quick schemes, which I appreciate. She's got a nice touch with women, which I appreciate. But I prefer Liz, Pul- Liz, Liz Pullman Weston. I prefer other women who give good advice. I appreciate that Susie Orman has opened the door for women to talk about money. I do appreciate that. But I think she's an idiot. I think she's very bad at what she does. And she pushes a lot of people into a lot of bad product. Um, she's not a financial expert. And I'll, I'll prepare a longer I'll prepare a longer dissertation criticism of her. Because uh, she deserves that. And you deserve that too. Let's go to Carrie in Fremont. Hello. Carrie, do you like, do you like Susie Orman? And keep in mind there's a right answer here. Uh, not really. <laughs> Good answer. Yeah, I just, she's a little obnoxious for me. A little bit. 
Um, so, Rob, you know, I finally got smart and went to school, and now I make good money, and I don't know what to do with it, and I'm afraid to do my taxes because I know I'm going to get really creamed this year. I have no write-offs. I'm uh, 43, and I make, I think I'm going to make around 99 this year. Okay. Single? Yes. Congratulations. So, um, <laughs> I don't know what that even means. <laughs> I'm so. like, okay, thanks. Um, what do you do that makes 99000 a year? I'm in nursing. Okay. Great career, isn't it? Yes, it is. And, you know, I was in this field a long time before I went to school. And all I can tell people is if you're in the medical field, go to school. Yep. I sat next to a, a nurse once on an airplane and uh, thoroughly enjoyed her as far as uh, her knowledge base and what she knows and doesn't know. Um, so what are you looking for? What Do you do? You have a 401k with you or do you have a 403b with a hospital? We do. And I'm putting about 8% in, and I heard you just talk to a caller saying to put 15% in, and I was like, oh. Yeah, the number one advice I can give, Carrie, if I get hit by a bus today, is max out your 401k. Um, If you can do 15%, the the more you get in, the better, because you don't pay state or federal taxes on it. So if you're in a 30% tax bracket, California's 9.5%, you're saving 40% right there. So if the market corrects 40%, you're break-even. From after-tax money versus pre-tax money. So I love the 401k. Plus, at the end of the year, the more you put in, it lowers your tax bracket. So you may, if you put in $15,000, you will go from a $99,000 tax bracket to an $84,000 tax bracket. And that may save you a couple thousand dollars in, in taxes per year. Um, so it, it's just the smartest way to save. I, I would do as much as you can there, Carrie. And then I didn't buy a home yet because, you know, I was just getting out of school and getting ready to do that when all this market craziness happened. Mm -hmm. And I'm actually kind of glad I didn't buy one when the market was high. Can you afford a home now? Um, you know, I don't have enough saved. Okay. So then then don't stress over that. When you're 65 years old, Carrie, and you're no longer allowed to, you're no longer able to do blood pressure and you're no longer able to be a nurse, Mm -hmm. you need money to live off. You can live in a hotel. You can live in my basement. You can marry a man who has a house. But when you're 65 and you have no money, you don't get you don't put food in your belly. Um, you don't go on vacation. You don't see the grandkids. You don't. None of that happens. So I think the nest egg is a lot more important than, say, a home is. Um, okay. In theory, you can ba- pay about two and a half times your salary. So you can buy a home at $250,000. Good luck being able to find a house in the Bay Area that's $250,000 that you want to live in. That airplanes don't fall on. Um, yeah, right. East Palo Alto, hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, poke, poke. It's the ghetto. Um, so you don't want to live in the ghetto. So I'd screw the house. Forget it. And if you want, Carrie, like you can get a $250,000 house in Tahoe. Um, and maybe that's where you retire. And, and maybe you can put renters in it right now. Um, things along those lines. So I think a little bit outside the box. Um, you know, you can own real estate. It doesn't have to be in the state of California. Um, I know a cop in Oakland and I tell this story so many times that I'm sure a couple people can finish it, that he rents here twice the home that he could afford to buy here, but he bought a home in, in Tampa where he wants to retire. Um, and he rents that one out. So that's not what mom and dad did, but it's, it's a perfectly acceptable solution as well. Right. I actually thought of that. So, yeah. So, okay. Okay. So, so I didn't stress too much about the home, just max out my 401k and you know if you want to start a little a little pooch pot for uh you know getting a down payment of 20 percent on a home there's no harm in that 
Um, or if you want to say, you know, I'm renting right now, whereas my mortgage would be three thousand. I'm renting for a thousand. Uh, maybe I'll put an extra two thousand dollars a month into a future home, um, and and start saving, you know, blindly on that level. Um, but yeah, I prefer the four hundred one k over the home. Okay, good so, to know. Thanks for the call, Carrie. Anything I need to know as a, as a nurse? Anything? Any advice you can give me? Uh, did you get your H one N one vaccine? I did not. Oh, good for you. I didn't either. <laughs> okay, good. I, I thought you were going to tell me that. I should have. No. So it's controversial. I wouldn't. I'm not doing it. Yeah. See, what uh, what upsets me about H one N one is it, it's killing. It's hospitalizing younger people. Fifty mm-hmm. percent of the people who are hospitalized with it are under the age of twenty five, and I, I need something to kill old people because they don't pay taxes. <laughs> That's right. So if you can help me with that, you know, Carrie, actually, I, I want to write a screenplay. And maybe you can help me on this. The basic the basic premise is going to be about three 18-year-old kids are working at an old folks' home, and and old people start dying, and that these kids are all betting on it. And the question is, are they killing them or not? That's my premise. And there's going to be a love triangle, and i got to get a hot, young 18-year-old girl to play the lead role, and the two guys, one's going to be dark, one's going to be good. So anyway, um, I could use some, some advice on old people. That's it. <laughs> I know you're saying... Rob, you are a class A weirdo. The stuff that goes on in your head. 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. Pay down your debt, Carrie. Um, No debt over 8%. And uh, max out the 401k. And congratulations on getting to $100,000 a year. That's good money. That's good money. And that's, you know, she had to go back to school for that. It's Rob Black Show, 9, 10 a.m. More stimulating talk. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.